If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning to Ephesians 6. That's where we're going to start today. We'll read a passage that we've read several times over the last couple of months. And I've already told you that, that our focus is going to be, once we get down uh, into verse 17 and talking about the sword of the Spirit, which we know is the Word of God. We, we've already talked about that somewhat in our service today. But let us read, uh, just to get the overall of, of all the thoughts from, from the Apostle Paul here, from Ephesians 6, let's begin in verse 10. I'm going to read down through verse 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word, and, and I pray again, Lord, just help us to hear from you. I know, Lord, that if we will be obedient to, to listen and to seek you and to look to you, that, that you will speak to us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will minister to us. And so, Lord, I know the need differs throughout this congregation. And I know that your word will speak to every need. So help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. Help us have listening ears. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. It's just a reminder again to put on the armor of God because we have an adversary. It's the devil. And we need to be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. We know that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we know there's this battle, this struggle, this wrestling match that is going on. And we know that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against spiritual forces. So it's a spiritual battle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's on the sign out in front of the church but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Now, are we able, and I've asked this question many times, are we able of ourselves to fight this battle of our own strength? No, no, no. Where does our strength come from? And it was verse 10. Verse 10, I know I've talked about this a lot. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. You know, the Lord is our strength and shield. And it is only by His might that we can stand against the schemes, the wiles of the devil and the powers of darkness. In Psalms 28, verse 7. Psalms 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise Him. That's a good verse, isn't it? Just a reminder that the Lord is my strength and shield, and when we trust in Him, all for grace to trust Him more, we are helped, because we will have peace. We will have rest. We we will be reminded of great and precious promises that, that it's His strength and not our own. And we can... Rejoice and praise Him with a song. In Isaiah 
12, verse 2. Isaiah 12, verse 2. We read this earlier when we read, uh, sang the song, The Lord is my salvation. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. So our strength is in the Lord. It's in the power of His might. And I know I read these verses earlier uh, in the opening when we were getting ready to sing this, the little chorus, Open the Eyes of My Heart. But I want to read it again so it would be on this sermon. Uh, Ephesians 1, we're going to read 15 through 21. This is the prayer of the Apostle Paul to those at Ephesus. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, being opened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute. Did you get that? That we might know the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe to His children. Child of God, that we might know of His strength and know of His power toward us who believe. According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Brother Jesse talked about Christ went before us. He took away the sting of death. Oh, He's going before us. And now He is at the Father's right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Child of God, we must, we must rely on His mighty power, the power of His might, His strength. First uh, John 4, 4, you know this verse. You are of God, little children. And I've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do we believe it? Who is in, who is in us as a believer? Who is in us? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. And if we are in Christ, we have been delivered from the power of Satan. That's Colossians 1 verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So we are no longer darkness before Christ came, before light came, before we received Christ and believed we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were darkness and we were death. But Christ came, opened our eyes that we might see, shone light into a dark place. And so now we who believe we, we stand, we wrestle from a standpoint of victory. Christ has already triumphed over the enemy. He has gone before us. The war, if I could put it that way, the war was won at Calvary. Our, our victorious position was secured upon our salvation, our redemption, our being delivered from the power of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So that, that is secure. We're secure in Him. We read the verses this morning. What can snatch us out of the Father's hands? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There is no power that can take us from the Lord. But in this life, in this life, in the ebb and flow of living, we will have spiritual battles. We will have wrestling matches, as the Apostle Paul talked about. And it is in these times that we must be prepared and that we must be clothed with the armor of God. Amen? I believe we'd all testify to that fact because we, we know that the battles are coming, so let us be equipped. We must have on the armor of God. And I'm just 
quickly going to look at each piece just very quickly. You know, to put on the belt of truth. That, that means to be prepared, to be watchful. You know, for the soldier, they had the belt. And at a moment's notice, if they had a long robe on, depending on the weather at the time, they could pull that up and cinch it and put it in her belt, and then they could run. So it was a preparedness, to be prepared, to be in a state of readiness, to have our loins girded for battle, girded with truth. Uh, to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, deals with our holy living in light of the righteousness that has been imputed to us as children of God. Because of what the Father has done for us, because of the righteousness of Christ, then may we live holy and blameless and above reproach as we can here so that we can stand before Him someday in that very condition. Having shod your feet with the shoes of peace is to know that we are not only at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, um, conveyed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, Our position before the Father is secure. We are at peace through the Father. But not only someday, but we can have peace now through Christ in our daily walk. Oh, but preacher, you you don't know. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know the situation of my life. I I have no peace. I can't have peace. What is your focus? What are you looking at? Are you looking only at your situation of life? Are you looking only at at, at the at the the cares and and the, those things? And and they can be very real. I, I won't deny that. You know, Barb and I are just coming through that sickness. I know it can be very real, but in the midst of that, we can have peace. We can have our minds fixed on Him. And I always come back to this: Isaiah twenty-six verses three and four. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. There is truth here. And whether or not we want to trust it and believe it, that's up to us as individuals. But what does the Word of God say? You, talking of the, of the Lord, you, Lord, will keep Him, that's me, that's you, you will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Do we believe it? Thus saith the Lord, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do we trust him at all times and in all ways, regardless of situation of life? Do we trust him? Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. So may we shod our feet with the shoes of peace every day, knowing that we can be at peace in our walk regardless of circumstance of life. To take the shield of faith, we talked about that uh, to some degree last week, is to not only know the gift of saving faith, but also have that continual daily faith by which we stand, by which we live, to, to continually know and remember that He who has promised is faithful to believe in and follow the author and finisher of our faith in Jesus Christ and to have a total trust and confidence in Him for our daily walk. To remember and to know that the faith that saves us is also a faith in which we can walk, a faith that will sustain us even while we are here on this earth. And there's great Consolation in knowing that. It's a faith that will help us endure and help us to persevere through the battles of life. Take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench every, all the fiery darts of the devil. So maybe we hold on to that. To take the helmet of salvation is to persevere with a living hope. (laughs) To have an assurance of our salvation. And then the inheritance that is reserved in heaven and is being kept by the power of God. And so that brings us down to the sword, the sword of the Spirit. And we're going to spend the remainder of our time talking about the sword. And Paul very explicitly tells us what it is. We know the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now, let me ask this, because often you may be asked a question about this, the Bible. Well, that's just just some guys 
Just some guys made that up. Just some guys wrote it down. And how can anybody believe that, that that's the Word of God? Well, where did we get Scripture? Well, let's read Second Peter, first chapter, verses 20 and 21. See, now I have faith in knowing this. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So that, that's where that's where this came from. That's where the Bible came from. Yes, men wrote it down, but they wrote it down as they were inspired, as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. Our Bible didn't come to us by the will of man, but rather by holy men of God who were moved by the Holy Spirit to convey the will of God so that we might have His Word, that we might read it, and that we might learn from it. And we also know that the Word of God is perfect. It is true. It has been tested. It is absolute. And and I was thumbing through a John MacArthur book uh, last night, and I've already forgot the name of it. It was talking about truth and and, and the the assault on truth, and it was talking about the emergent church and, and how they're 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 taking and well, I, I don't I know that's what it says, but that that doesn't fit today. And rewriting this, the word of God, to to make it more palatable. No, the the word of God is the same, just as He. Is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and it will continue to be the same. And its promises and its truth, its commands are the same. To know that His Word is true. We, we read it last week in Psalms 18, verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. And, and it's by faith that believers trust that, isn't it? It's by faith. It's by receiving Christ. It's by receiving the Holy Spirit that we can believe and trust. As for God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. And He is. And He is. In John 17, verses 14 through 19, Jesus is talking and He says, I have given them your word, talking to the Father, and the world has hated them, and he's talking of his followers, his disciples, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, now let me pause there. What's he talking about? Where's our citizenship as a child of God? It's in heaven. Yes, we are, we are in this world for a moment, for just a vapor, we are here, but our citizenship is in heaven. I believe that's what he's talking about. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, even though they are in it. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Oh, that, that's a prayer that I want Christ to pray for me. How about you? Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them out into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. We need truth. And the only absolute truth, regardless of what men may say, is the word of God. Holy Scripture. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. The NASB version says every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. (laughs) And many are being found liars because of books that they're writing that, that, that are going away from the truth of God's Word and leading others astray, and they will be rebuked and they will be found a liar. So the Word of God is effective concerning His will. 
in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. Now, we're going to read a lot of Scripture today and, and so that you can write, write them down or you can, uh, I can give you a copy of all the verses that we're reading today uh, later. Uh, Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, nor are your ways, I'm sorry, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Is there power in the word of God? Yes, there is. But it, it because it will accomplish all that the Lord pleases, and all that he would have accomplished. The word of God is sufficient for our needs. Second Timothy three verses sixteen and seventeen. Second Timothy three verse sixteen and seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And again, how important is the Word of God? How important is Scripture? It is by it that we are equipped for every good work. I, I hope we'll take this to heart. I, I, told, I pray that we'll all be challenged in the midst of this in, in realizing the importance of being in God's Word. In the midst of that, it said, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. In the Greek, those five words, given by the inspiration of God, is one word in the Greek, theopneustos. And it literally means God breathed. So this, breathed from God to holy men, who wrote it down? The Word of God is the source of spiritual growth. 1 Peter 2, 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy. Uh, I know what I did here. I, I just put in verse 2 and I've got verses 1 through 3. That's okay. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This is talking to the children of God, that, that we should desire the word of God, that we may grow. And the word of God is our source of guidance. In Psalms 119, verse 105, many of you have this committed to memory. Your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. The Word of God is powerful in Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division and soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is by the Word of God that faith comes. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans, if you go to chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, the word of God, the word of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay the penalty for sin for all who by faith believe. 
Jesus buried and in three days rising again and now interceding for His own at the right hand of the Father. Jesus came to this earth to do the will of God. And that is to go to the cross. He came with a perfect plan. He lived a perfect life. He became the perfect sacrifice for sin. And He has paid fully the penalty for sin for all who believe. Amen? Paid fully the penalty for sin. That, that we would not fall under the judgment and the wrath of God. And the, so there the question that I ask from time to time. Because this is for all who believe. And the question is this. Do you believe? I've got many answers to that question throughout the years. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I believed once. Well, the question is, are you still believing? Because if you believed unto salvation, you are still believing today. Or is your belief no better than that of demons who believe and tremble and there's, there's no eternal life attached to it because your, your belief was, was not of the Holy Spirit and was not of surrender to the Word of God? Do you believe in the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Romans 10, verses 9-13 through 13, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me pause. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from judgment. That's saved. Saved from? Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Me will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So by faith, do you believe? I pray that you do. I pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see the truth of the Gospel. That that, that your eyes would be open to your sin. That, that, that you could know that without the Lord you're in trouble. And that someday that you will face Him. And I pray that you will face Him in belief and in faith. Do we need to keep the Word of God? <laughs> yes, we do. Let's read First Thessalonians 2, verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. That's a great verse. Because you hear it not, not from my voice, necessarily, but the faith that, that, that the Word that will save you is the Word from God as He speaks. But as it is in truth, the Word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. In Luke 11, verse 28, but he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so there's a, there's a challenge this morning. Oh, we're hearing the word of God. We're hearing scripture. Will we believe it and will we keep it? Now, Scotty uh, reminded me of one of A.W. Tozer's books, um, uh, God's Pursuit of Man. It's in the library and he's he's got it right now. And I've got it on my Kindle and and uh, we we met for lunch with with Kay uh, Friday, I believe it was, and and he he said, "Here, you got to read this." And 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 he turned over to the last chapter. He'd marked the last chapter, and it's in the last chapter is entitled "The Spirit Filled Life." Now, now we all want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Amen. We all want to be led by the Spirit. We all want to walk in the Spirit. And listen to this quote from Tozer from, from the book, God's Pursuit of Man. The Spirit-filled walk demands, for instance, that we live in the Word of God as a fish lives in the sea. By this, I do not mean that we study the Bible merely, nor, nor we take a course in Bible doctrine, I mean that we should meditate day and night, as Psalms 1 verse 2 says. That we should meditate day and night in the sacred word 
that we should love it and feast upon it and digest it every hour of the day and night. Let me pause because immediately you're probably thinking, I can't do that. I got to work. I got to go to school. I got to do this. I got to do all this. Well, here, now listen. Everybody listen. Everybody listen. Here's what he says. When the business of life compels our attention, that's work. That's the things that we must get done as we live our lives here because there are things that we must do, that we must accomplish every day. When the business of life compels our attention, we may yet, by a kind of blessed mental reflex, keep the word of truth ever before our minds. End quote. Now, do we find that true? That even as we can be at work or play or whatever it may be, that we, just by a, almost a spiritual mental reflex, Scripture will come to mind and speak to us. Because do we need to keep the Word of God? Yes. Do we need to read the Word of God? Yes. Do we need to meditate on it day and night? Yes. And we need it as a defense against the wiles of the devil and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The word that is translated as word, a lot of times we think in biblical terms it's logos. That's not what this is here. It's rima. It's a Greek word, rima. And rima, by definition, refers to a particular statement or to individual words concerning a particular subject. And you may have already checked out on me and going, well, what's he talking about? Now, now, now listen, listen, uh, stay with me. I believe what Paul is saying is that when the devil comes with a specific attack, our response should be with a particular scripture that meets that attack head on. And, and, and this, this is what Christ did at the temptation. And we, we looked at this. I believe in a sermon back in July, so I'm not going to read all of it to, today, but I, but I do want to point out a few things um, because I believe it applies to what Paul is asking us to do here in Ephesians 6.17. Respond to the wiles of devil of the devil with the Word of God and even deeper than that with a particular Word of God. Let's, let's go. Remember the temptation. Remember Christ went up for 40 days, 40 nights and fasted. And the devil came to tempt him. The first temptation, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. That was the first temptation. What did Jesus say? Matthew 4.4. 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, I want you to notice that the reply to Satan is Scripture, and not not just any Scripture, a particular word addressing the very subject that Satan was bringing up. Do you see that? A rima, a specific Scripture to disarm a specific temptation. It is written, and shall not live by bread alone. And, and that's Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So what did Christ do? He answered the temptation with a particular verse. So he, he responds, Jesus responds, and it put a death blow to that temptation. Satan moves on. Uh, what's, what's the next temptation that Jesus faced? Uh, if you're the son of man, throw yourself down. Throw yourself off this mountain, and, and you know your father will send angels to, to save you and then to, to hold you up. And what did Jesus, how did he respond? Uh, Matthew 4, verse 7. And Jesus said, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the response is a particular word, a rema that addressed that particular temptation. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted Him in Massa. It is written, it is written, 
Let's see, when Satan comes with a temptation, we as true believers need to be equipped with the word of God so that we could say, no, for it is written. A particular verse for a particular temptation. Uh, Satan's last temptation, he took him to the, to the peak of the mountain. He, he, he said, look at all the kingdoms and everything that, that are here. This can all be yours if you'll just bow down to me. And I, I, I almost have to laugh every time I say that because who created all of that? Christ did. And here Satan has the audacity to say, if you'll bow down before me, I'll give you all this. And it was already his. But how did he respond? Verse 10, Matthew 4, verse 10. Then Jesus said, away with you, Satan. (laughs) He was done with him. For it is written, here we go again, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Again, Jesus responds to the temptation, bow down to me instead of God. No, no, no. Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and shall take oaths in His name. Uh, and then uh, verse or Deuteronomy 10 verse 20. You shall fear the Lord your God and shall serve Him and to Him you shall hold fast and take oaths in His name. So to only serve Him. For it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and Him only you shall serve. So Christ I bring this up again today because Christ is our example of how we should respond to the devil. I believe that we should always respond with the Word of God, a rema, a particular scripture that deals specifically with that very temptation or attack. And I'll guarantee you this, that every one of us in here has a weakness or has a point of attack that Satan is always there coming at us. And I would venture to say that is very true. My weakness is not the same as yours. Yours is not the same as mine. But in knowing our weakness and being honest with ourselves, we can equip ourselves with a particular word to combat that that comes to us time after time after time. And I believe that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that we must be equipped. And that will take some work. It's it's not going to just happen. You're not going to take the the Bible and put it under your pillow and sleep on it and and absorb it. You're not. It's going to take work. You're going to have to take it off the bookshelf. You're going to have to, uh, or or take your Kindle, take your phone. If you've got a copy of of the Bible on it, or if you've got a Bible on CD or MP3, listen to it. Listen to it. Let God's Word in you so that you may be able to use it. And I like, if any of you get to listen to Bot Radio, it's 91.5 here in this area. Uh, Their motto, Bot Radio's motto, and I love it, getting the Word of God into the people of God. And that's what I need. That's what you need. That's what we all need. We need to get the Word of God into us so that we might be equipped, so that we would have the sword. And it will not happen on its own. We must be diligent. We must put forth effort to to study and read. And, and, and like Tozer said, not just to read it, but to meditate on it. To think about it. Second uh, Timothy, second chapter, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, the NSB says, accurately handling the word of truth. Rightfully handling the word of truth. So it's important for us to appeal to the word of God in times of temptation. It is. Psalms 119 verse 11. You know this. This is Many of you have got this committed to memory. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Now, now take of everything what we're talking about. Take, talk, fiery darts. Temptation that will come to our mind in a moment, in a flash. And if we have the Word of God hidden in our heart and in our mind, we can take that and do battle against the wiles and the schemes, can't we? I have it hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I have it hidden in my heart so that I can answer that temptation with a particular word from God. 
And, and I hope I hope we can see the importance of this. To have the Word of God hidden in our hearts so that we might not sin against God, that when the fiery dark comes, when the voice of temptation comes, we can meet it head on with a particular word from Scripture. Now, I'm going to give you some things to consider. And, and just a few examples. Again, you know your weakness. You know the thing that sets you off. You know the things that throws you into a tailspin. You know what that is in your life. Well, equip yourself with the Word of God. Are you, are you often tempted to anger? Well, maybe consider this. James 1, verses 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren... Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now perhaps this is, <laughs> with the election coming on and all the differing opinions, that may cause you to go from zero to a hundred in a moment's notice and get all up in arms about no telling what, Maybe remember this, put this in your memory bank, and the next time you feel your face getting red and your blood pressure going up because someone has said something and you're ready to let loose, be quick to listen and slow to speak because in that moment of being slow to speak, we can pray. We can let the Word of God that we have hidden in our heart come to our mind and we can meet the temptation to become angry because anger is a temptation. It is. We don't have to succumb to it. We don't. In Ephesians 4, Paul talked about it. Ephesians 4, verse 26, 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Uh, if you're going to be angry, be angry at the devil. Be angry at him for, for the temptation. Be angry at him that he has blinded the eyes of, of people that you know. Be angry at him. Don't sin. Don't sin. Perhaps you're tempted to anxiety. And again, it's a temptation, isn't it? Well, I'm just so worried. I, I don't know this virus thing that's going around. I'm just—it just, it just got me down. I—I I tell you, can worry make you sick? Yes, it can. Worry itself, stress—it—it's it, not good for your body. It can give you ulcers. It can make you sick. So if you're tempted to anxiety, perhaps First Peter five verse six and seven. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him for He cares for you. See, there, there's the time that you remember that God loves you with an everlasting love. And you remind yourself that He cares for me and that He will meet all my need according to His riches and glory and to trust Him. And to trust Him to know that we are in His hand. And that nothing, absolutely nothing, will come our way unless it goes through His hand, His providential hand. And we can take that back to the sermon we preached that dealt with Job. Everything that happened to Job was a part of God's plan and purpose. Do we, do we sometimes need a trial in our life? Yes, we do. Why? We'll go and read that first chapter of James one more time. So that we might know that, that our strength is not of our own but that we need the Lord, that we need the Lord. Now, if you're anxious, how about Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You believe the Word of God. Do I believe it? Thus says the Lord. This is, what the, this is what the Word of God says about anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but rather pray and seek the Lord. 
with thanksgiving. Oh, give your request to the Lord. The, the Apostle Paul prayed three different times that, that the thorn in his flesh would be removed from him. And we know that ultimately it wasn't. The Lord left it there, whatever it was, so that it may, may humble Paul and keep him from being exalted in pride. And if we will submit to prayer and, and, and thanksgiving, and what's it say? Then what will happen? The peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a promise of God. Standing on the promises. We sung it this morning. Will we stand on His great and precious promises? Are we tempted to fear? So that goes along with anxiety, I suppose. But tempted to fear, there's verses very specific to fear. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. you will, he will not leave you nor forsake you. Promise of God. Joshua 1, verse 9. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Another promise of Him. Are we tempted not to trust God and His Word? Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. Let me pause there. Will not fear when the temptation comes. Will not fear when situations of life arise. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. See, we keep trusting the Lord. We keep looking to the Him and bearing fruit in our lives. Fruit of faithfulness. Fruits of righteousness. Proverbs 3. We read this so often and we read it last week. Proverbs 3, verses 5-8. through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And I'm going to pause there because there's where we get in trouble. We start thinking and we just start talking to ourselves. And maybe we're talking to ourselves about the situation that we find ourselves in. And we can talk ourselves into being anxious. Did you know that? But we should let the Word of God speak. Amen. Stop listening to yourself and start preaching to yourself the Word of God. You know, I've, I've said that a lot. Because you're, you're going to listen to a voice. I'm going to listen to a voice. And may the voice I listen to be the Word of God. And not myself. But the Word of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. <laughs> in every situation of life. In every moment. Acknowledge Him. Look to Him. And He shall direct your paths. Wonderful promises. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I think, I think in particular that, that could be talking about stress and anxiety right there. Because when we're trusting the Lord, we're not going to have worry. We're not going to have stress. Oh yes, we're going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted to those things. But I pray that we could go to the Word of God, that we could pray, and that He would help us because He is our shield. He is our protector. The sword is there to help us in the midst of the battle. We have the shield of faith. We have everything we need, don't we? If we would just take it up and use it. So may we all be equipped. Be dressed and prepared in the armor of God. And listen, listen, may we meet every lie of the enemy with the truth of God's Word. That, that's a good thought right there, isn't it? May we meet every lie of the enemy with the truth of God's Word. That we may be able to say as Christ said, no, no, for it is written. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we 
we give you thanks for your word because it is food. It is nourishments to our very soul. And, and Lord, help us all to recognize that we need it. And every born-again believer, every Christian that's, that's in here and listening to this sermon, we need your word. We need to hide it in our hearts. We need to meditate on it. And Lord, help us all to be equipped so that we might be able to stand against the wicked one. That we may be able to stand against opposition that may come our way. That we may be able to answer and respond every time. Well, here's what God's word says about it. And that's what I believe. So Lord, help us to stand on your word. Stand on your great and precious promises. And Father, if it should be one who is yet lost and in darkness and yet in their sin, I pray, Lord, that you are shining light, that, Lord, that you are opening eyes, that in your timing and in your way, Lord, that you would draw them close to yourself, that they might see their sin, that they might know that they're in trouble before you, most holy God. And Lord, then show them the remedy, show them the cure, show them the cross, show them the price that was paid for their salvation. Open their eyes, grant them faith, grant them repentance, all that they might fall before you, repenting of sins and turning and following Christ. So Lord, may we all, every day, every day, even in the midst of of work, even in the midst of whatever it may be, school, uh, or just the needful things that are necessary to go to the, get groceries, whatever it may be, in every portion of our life, may you always help us to meditate on your word, to give thanks and to give glory to you in everything, everything. May everything that we say and do bring honor and glory to you, Father. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.